0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe. But it's the love that's kept them together, Mm -hmm. and it's the love that now I feel like I'm taking it too seriously.
1: No, now now I feel like see how fast it happens. Yeah, see how fast (laughs) you can build a whole podcast around this. I think the happy medium for me. I'd love like a mini season where they go to therapy. Put Homage and Homer in HBO's In Treatment. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Talking Ship, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Megan Fitzgerald. This show is part TV review, part relationship advice. We look at major couples from television and discuss why they work, why they don't, and what, if anything, they taught us about our non fictional love lives. And this week, we're talking about America's longest standing TV couple, Marge and Homer Simpson. That's right, this episode is for all the comedy boys I eventually try to date. This is the episode I will send you to. Uh, Because (laughs) later in this episode, I will play my interview uh, with Mike Reese, who I got the opportunity to chat with, who is one of the original producers and a former showrunner of The Simpsons. And he's so lovely and kind and just a true testament to how loving your work and loving the characters can keep a show successful for 30 years on the air but before we go into the interview i wanted to take a few minutes to chat about marge and homer themselves but also this particular category of tv characters and particularly tv comedy couples marge and homer are one of many couples on tv that have sort of the opposite role of will they won't they couples When we're watching a will-they-won't-they couple we're tuning in every week to see if they get together to see if their eyes caught each other across the room to see them getting jealous about other significant others and we're tracking that progress whereas with these shows with marge and homer lucy and desi archie and edith george and louise kitty and red aunt viv and uncle phil phil and claire bob and linda lewis and jessica we tune in every week with the comfort of knowing that this couple will stay together. They will, always. Sort of woven into the fabric of these shows is that this central couple will not break up. They might fight and they might push each other and they might bend, but they won't break. And as always on this podcast, we, as we examine fictional characters' relationships, we can only take it so seriously. Uh, And we always have to remember that this is fictional. Uh and all of the couples are bound to some sort of dramatic arc to make the TV show work, to make it interesting. But I think it's really unique to look at these particular couples and talk about the pros and cons of what works within this kind of structure, within this sort of agreement with the audience because I think in some ways it is incredibly realistic and true to life that certain episodes, certain conflicts within episodes would pull characters apart and challenge them but at the end of the episode the couple has resolved their issues because good marriages do get challenged and they do work through them and they do have shitty things happen with their kids and at work and with other parents in the neighborhood and they work through them and marge and homer themselves have the longest you know standing couple on tv as the simpsons is the longest running show on television they have been hailed by some people as quote the most realistic marriage on TV and America's most relatable couple. But on the other side, I think sometimes the rules of this TV universe can make these couples hard to watch because we also see them be awful to each other for the sake of comedy, and we'll know they'll never break up. And with Margin Homer, particularly, after the uh, over the past few years, there have been like many cries for them to break up. But Before we get into all of this, I'm going to bring in my guest, my co-host today, and the first straight man to appear on this podcast, because if there was ever a moment to bring in a straight man, it is uh, a straight comedy dude. Specifically, it is for The Simpsons episode. And so welcome to the show, actor, comedian, and the biggest Simpsons fan I know, I believe, Mitch Lerner, hello. Oh my
0: God, Megan, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for having me on. Um, This is awesome. And the fact that this is introducing Mike Reese is immediately terrifying and intimidating because I'm a massive fan of all of his work. So uh, uh, I'm just processing that right Mm -hmm. now.
1: All of the work, including Kung Fu Panda 3.
0: Especially Kung Fu Panda Mm -hmm. 3. Yeah, especially Kung Fu Panda 3.
1: So let's talk about The Simpsons. So you being a Simpsons fan, I think, was one of the first things I knew about you. That's what I tell
0: everyone when they meet me.
1: (laughs) You walk in with like a Duff. I don't actually know that I've ever seen you wear Duff beer merch, but I believe that you own Simpsons merch.
0: I own Simpsons merch. I own some of like the little Funko like things, Um, but also just like I'm walking Simpsons merch. yeah. My entire worldview is Simpsons merch.
1: (laughs) Okay, which leads (laughs) nicely. Let's like talk about your relationship to the show. Like, how how long have you been watching? Like, what did it mean to you growing up? Like, let's let's get into your to your your love affair with the Simpsons. A lifelong a lifelong relationship.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. And at first, it was forbidden fruit. Really? Uh, Yeah, I was not allowed to watch it. Oh, Uh,
1: funny. Why?
0: Because I was six. Um, I'm, I'm the eldest of three Mm -hmm. and my parents were super protective with me. And then by the time my youngest brother was, you know, like 10, he was watching R rated movies. Yeah, sure. Uh, so the Simpsons was just this thing where everyone agreed that it was crass and crude and Mm. kids weren't supposed to watch it uh and the first episode that i saw was it's called uh lisa's first words Mm -hmm. but it's about maggie's first words and they were advertising that like all over the place oh fun and i just like begged my parents to watch it was like you know can we have a pool dad 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 Dad?" it was that for watching the (laughs) simpsons and they like acquiesced we watched it in my parents bedroom and i think a reason that we were allowed to watch it was my mom was pregnant with my youngest brother. Okay. So, and this show was about like the baby speaking and being okay with like, uh, siblings and sibling Mm. rivalry. And so it, it sort of fit, a lot of what we were going through at the yeah, time. Yeah,
1: they thought maybe it was gonna be like a Berenstein Bears moment where it was like, here's <laughs> the particular lesson that the kids need to learn at this moment in time.
0: If those books actually existed.
1: Well, fair point.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Wait, who can uh, say? <laughs> what is truth anymore? Uh we so yeah, so we watched it and then they saw this like very sweet story about mm. uh overcoming sibling rivalry and about like parents just doing their best best and about you know all of these all of these things that like as we talk about further you'll probably get that that's kind of what I think this show is about yeah we watched it every week appointment viewing with my parents uh, and then like if we were with extended family like the the entire three generations would watch The Simpsons and it's like every week my dad would get the hiccups from laughing so hard. Mm-hmm. Like all we would do is quote the Simpsons after the show. And then as like elementary school progressed and then went into middle and all of this, it's just my vocabulary on Mondays just became quoting every single oh. Simpsons episode with friends at school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like with my older cousins, we basically spoke in Simpsons quotes to each other. And it was the best.
1: That's actually really sweet. That's a sweet telling of it. And I think it's when I was thinking about your relationship with to this show, I was trying to think of like, what would be my, sh- you know, what would be my family, like appointment viewing the show that like was a huge force in my life. And there's actually really not another comparison to the Simpsons because of the length of the show. Right. Because you watched it when you were six and there were new episodes like, and there were new episodes released ever since then. It, it, it's like a band that lasted, yeah.
0: for, you know, 40 years or something where, you know, the new Chili Peppers, you know, album will come out. And I'll be like, I don't know, I like the older stuff.
1: Right, but and I'm still gonna listen. I'm
0: gonna listen, yeah. And, and it's like, what the hell do I know? I just, that was my sweet spot for watching.
1: Right, when you were watching as a kid, you're we're gonna move into marge and homer were they a perfect marriage were they like a mom and dad figure what was kind of like and did it change do you like really remember a moment where you were like oh there's some not so great things here i think
0: i got more fucked up by dating from seinfeld oh, than sure. i got fucked up by like family, family life for the simpsons <laughs> yeah that's um, fair. i'm still untangling it <laughs> uh the um but with homer and marge it was. I'm like very lucky. I come. I come from like a Pleasant Villian mm-hmm. suburban house. So in some ways, it's similar to The Simpsons, in which you know, nuclear unit, mom, dad, three siblings, pet. You know, mm-hmm. so on paper, it's very much like that. Um, the family dynamic could not have been more different. It, it, it is disgusting to stay To say, but I still look at them as like, well, that, I guess that's the ideal relationship.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and so Homer and Marge, it was just so clear that. Everything was fucked up for them yeah. that we could just laugh. There's nothing about the Simpsons that is role modeling. Right. Except, except for the heart of it. Yeah. At the heart of the show. Mm-hmm. Cause Homer and Marge care so much about each other. And that like key element of the relationship is like, Is what makes that show work, but it's also just, like, if only you could end up in a relationship where, at the end of the day, the thing you care about most is what you look like in the other person's eyes. Mm -hmm. And that's what they both share. Yeah. One of the things that—the only thing that I would, like, worry about, if you're talking about, like, what is there to worry about Uh in their relationship, Mm -hmm. it would be uh, the gender norms. Yeah. The the gender norms in The Simpsons— Uh, can get to a territory where you wonder like oh is this is are they just taking this for granted that Marge is a nag that Homer is a slob and those things will always be the case and that's one thing that changed as a kid Mm, for me was watching it seeing seeing Marge nag and just sort of internalizing like okay Marge is kind of a nag I
1: was gonna ask if you feel like maybe there's a chance you internalized it
0: I think I did a little bit And again, as a child. Right. And then watching it in my teens and in my 20s and now in my 30s, Marge is absolutely never unreasonable. Mm -hmm. In fact, she is the most patient person on television. And Homer is so stupid. He's so stupid. It's so funny. And well-intentioned almost all of the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that matters.
0: Right. It for sure does because there are, and there are times in episodes that I don't think work as well where Homer's motivated by doing something selfish, mm. uh, and the episode kind of falls apart because the moral core of it depends on not Homer's own compass. Yeah, and
1: yeah that's a good that's point. That's like
0: the only part of him that's not broken. But Marge being like on Marge being a nag, I don't think she is. And I think the joke was on her just being like, can, can we eat dinner together once? And Bart and Homer being like, fuck
1: off, Marge. Right, you know, right. Yeah, and I wonder though, like, does that come with, does that realization that she's actually just the most reasonable person come with time and with some intelligence and like a worldliness? I guess I do wonder with like a lot of these shows, is does it get internalized? Because I think historically, a lot of the comedy marriages fit into a very similar stereotype where it's like the hot mess dad for heterosexual marriages and the shit together mom. The mom's got her shit together, the dad's hot mess. And hot mess can be like frustrated and ignorant like Archie Bunker or it can be like bumbling and goofy like Phil Dunphy, or like bumbling and stupid like Homer and the shit together mom can be portrayed a number of ways and not always bad I just think like the stereotype can lend itself to the woman being shrewish or bitchy or naggy.
0: Every seven episodes or something, she loses it. Right. And that episode is about keeping them together because she's been taken for granted. Yeah. You know, and so then they, they do that or they do a flashback episode where you right. see how much they loved, loved each, each other, other. Mm-hmm. and you know when it was pure and, and still in the courting phase.
1: Yeah. Um we talk about in the in the interview, of Forthcoming, we talk about the way we was, and and you see their origin story, and you see her fall for him in spite of everything that he is.
0: Yeah, he doesn't pretend to be anyone he's not. He's Mm -hmm. stupid as a rock, and all he cares about is impressing her and making her feel good. In that episode, she says no, and she goes with Artie Ziff, Mm -hmm. who's played by John Lovitz, who is the very smart sort of, uh, you know, uh, valedictorian of the class. (laughs) Um, and they end and hates everybody. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they end up being prom king and queen. Um, and then, uh, he gets handsy after the date and, um, his sort of like smartness and career trajectory and just, uh, sort of outwards checking boxes, uh, pales in comparison to this good guy who has no idea what he's doing
1: yeah and he's walking home in the rain and mm. the mud and actually that i think is a real life lesson worth learning is that you Sometimes it is the person that doesn't check any of the boxes. It's the person that just like loves on you, despite having no boxes in sight. And he ends up working at a nuclear power plant. So not bad. And they (laughs) foreshadow that too in that episode, which was cute. So I guess to wrap up this conversation before we get into the mic interview, I guess what would you say to people who do complain that Marge and Homer aren't healthy or that it's not realistic? How do we reconcile this TV writing trope, these rules, with the ways that tv inevitably affects our expectations of reality and our internalized truths
0: cool uh i will take your invitation to antagonize an online fan base Please, uh, oh, As I you should. i don't see there's there couldn't <laughs> be anything bad that happens from there especially if they're already activated and angry uh, I see no problems with this. Right.
1: You know what? I think every successful podcast needs an online fan group to come from them at some point. Right. So I want a Reddit it? to cancel me. Is what, <laughs> what <I wanted. laughs>
0: okay, here's what I would say to uh, people who don't like Homer and Marge's relationship. Uh, fuck you. <laughs> no, I would, I would say I think Homer and Marge represent some of the fears that we all have about ourselves in relationships. Mm. I know... Rewatching The Simpsons recently, I look at that where I'm like, at my core, when I'm fucking up or if I'm not listening, I am afraid that I'm being a homer. Mm. That I am just taking something for granted or being so dense or just involved in my own little scheme so much that I don't see right now what it's doing to my significant other. right? Or, oh my God, I am so stupid in how I'm going about this thing that my relationship is suffering Mm -hmm. because of it. Mm -hmm. So I look at Homer and how he would behave in any given situation as a very helpful barometer for, uh, having the right intentions, but maybe losing yourself in your own shit Mm -hmm. or, uh, not appreciating what you have around you. And so I think Homer is not only, uh, the funniest character who's ever been on television but is also a great just sort of like little warning sign to go off in your head mm-hmm. if you're worried that you're, if you're like oh what's wrong what's wrong in my relationship i i th- this is weird i think i've been doing great for the last week why are we fighting that's a homer thought mm-hmm You know, Mm -hmm. not being able to find any agency in what you're doing until you're literally being thrown out of the house or like you don't, you don't understand why someone is upset with you to the point where, you know, you make up 10 different things about it before you're willing to look at yourself. So that's, that's Homer behavior. Mm -hmm. So I, I try to like check whether or not how close I am to Homer and hopefully it's usually far away.
1: That's so good, and in that way, I'm, like, so grateful that we have this kind of marriage on TV, and these kind of characters on TV, because couples don't always have to be role models for us to learn from them. Yeah, because I think it's, like, what's important to remember for as many people that are, like, fuck Hober, Marge should have walked away, because, like, in real life, of course like of (laughs) course she should have oh my imagine if you knew a real life homer and a real life marge of course you would want her to walk away but because of this show and the meaning this show has for your life for so many people's lives it's such a beloved long-running tv comedy if you did break them up there would I would argue be more people that would be livid about that than keeping them together. And so I I think about Pam and Jim, who did have a ton of underlying issues, not, not entirely similar to Marge and Homer, but they were there, you know, you can go back and listen to those episodes if you'd like. And the creators did want to break them up because they were like, listen, there's all these things they haven't dealt with. Eventually, in any marriage, this is realistic that they would get to this point and have these seemingly irreconcilable... Oh my God, why can't I say that weird? Irreconcilable... Boom! Differences. And fans freaked out. And at the last minute, the writers, you can can see when you're rewatching season seven or eight or whatever it is, they like hardcore pivot away and they suddenly make up through a hug in the parking lot because of fan reactions, because I think... Part of the beauty of TV and TV comedy, particularly, is that people are putting their faith in you to comfort them and to be a part of their family night and to be a part of their you know late night I just got off of work and I just want to feel good before I go to bed routine and that's why people you know year after year night after night rewatch after rewatch put their faith in these relationships so I, it's not always going to give you the most realistic view of marriage or relationships but it no, does no, have it a life. Never, it, it never will, will.
0: <laughs> it never will because it's a cartoon yeah. <laughs> on a, on a network that took a chance on it 30 yeah. years ago. Mm-hmm. It is, it, if you're looking at this as a realistic anything, I, I don't know what right. you're doing. Right, right. The way that Homer and Marge, uh, you know, interact a lot of the time when it's not their episode mm-hmm. is like, fine. You know, when the spotlight's not on them, they're they're making their housework. They're having, they've got three kids. Homer's in a job he doesn't like. Marge does too much at home. And it's like, not great. But at the same time, there are all of these episodes that explore, okay, Would one of them be happy Mm. not in this situation? Mm -hmm. And it always ends up like whether or not you can argue that the the, the fans on, on Reddit can argue about whether or not they should have been in that situation in the first place. But now they're there. They have three kids. And, you know, call it if you wanted to be super cynical, you could call it a lack of imagination. But... They can't be happy outside of what they've built Mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. If you looked at it on paper, they got together because Homer knocked her up.
1: Yeah, Um, yeah, and really young and all that, all those tropes, yeah. Yeah.
0: For sure, but it's the love that's kept them together, mm-hmm. and it's the love that, like you know, I don't know, got them in that situation in a moment. Now I feel like I'm taking it too seriously.
1: No, I'm, now, see, now I feel like see how I'm fast like, it happens. Yeah, see how fast you can build a whole podcast around this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Who would do such a thing? <laughs> I think the happy medium for me would be all of those things, yes, and then like I'd love like a whole like a mini season where they go to therapy. You know what I mean? Just give like put of Hilmer in HBO's in treatment and like okay. let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I feel like I feel covered. I feel ready to to let Mike uh, let Mike speak as as I'm sure as a respectful fan. Uh, you do too. I but... cannot
0: wait to <laughs> download this podcast. Fast forward it until this point and then listen to your Mike Reese interview, which I'm sure is what literally everyone listening is going to do.
1: But you know what? I'm glad they got to know you in the meantime. um, Speaking of, do you want to share where people can find you online to continue to hear your thoughts on things?
0: Oh, yeah. Come at me, bros. (laughs) Um, I'm on Instagram at Mitch W. Lerner. That's L-E-R-N-E-R. And Twitter, Mitch W. Lerner. Find me. Find me there. And, uh then you know soon i guess in theater world and comedy world
1: let's hope mitch thank you so much for being here
0: such a pleasure thank you for having
1: me megan of course and everyone here's mike reese okay okay the interview will come in just one minute and not to ryan seacrest you so hard but we do have to take a commercial break because we have to talk about adam and eve baby adamandeve.com the biggest sex superstore on the internet i just i've said it before and i'll say it again i really don't feel like i've made it as a relationship podcast until i have an adam and eve sponsorship and it's here adamandeve.com It's literally everything you need to improve your sex life on one store. It's vibrators, it's butt plugs, it's lingerie, it's lubrication, it's condominiums, condoms, all on one store. And when you use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout, you get $10 free gifts. That's a sexy item for you, a sexy item for your partner, a sexy item for the guy who comes over once a month. And then you get seven more to give to all the bachelorettes at the bachelorette party you're going to this summer because we know we're all going to a bunch that have been postponed for a year. And you get free shipping and you get six free spicy little movies, cinema, when you... Use the code at checkout. So, again, the code is believe, B L E A V, at checkout at adamandeve.com. Listen. What would iconic television be without iconic sex scenes? And how would you make sex scenes from Game of Thrones, Mad Men, Orange of the New Black, True Detective, Westworld, House of Cards better? You'd add a sex story. So I don't want you to live your best Daenerys life. I want you to live your best Samantha life. And what Samantha would have are some accessories. So go to to adamandeve.com, use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, and I want you to live your best life. And now, here is the interview. (laughs) All right, everyone. I am so excited to have on the podcast today writer, producer, author Mike Reese. And whether you know it or not, I guarantee you he's been a part of something that shaped either your childhood or your comedic taste. Uh, He's worked on so many projects. He's worked on Ice Age, the Despicable Me franchise, the Kung Fu Panda franchise, Rio, Horton Hears a Who, My Life in Ruins, The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, Alf, and many, many more. However, today we're going to be focusing on his time on, of course, The Simpsons. Mike has been a producer on The Simpsons for since the beginning. So that's 32 years, everyone. And then became a showrunner with Al Jean during seasons three and four. He wrote for the Simpsons movie and is the co-author of Springfield Confidential Jokes, Secrets, and Outright Lies from a Lifetime writing for The Simpsons, so some could say sort of an expert on America's most famous couple, Marge and Homer. So thank you, Mike. I'm so excited for you to be here.
2: I can't believe everything in your intro was accurate. Yes. I'm I'm so used to, you know, they get a few things wrong or uh, you got it all right. I go, that's my life in 45
1: seconds. <laughs> okay, good. Well, I'm happy to intro you anytime. Okay. So obviously, we have so many questions for you. Um, we, me, myself and I and the listeners. <laughs> um, but before we sort of get into, you know, what we talk about on this podcast, the couples, the margin Homer stuff, I just kind of want to speak to the legacy of The Simpsons. Because, you know, this is a TV fan podcast as well. And of course, this is the run- longest running show on on television, and it doesn't seem like it will be matched anytime soon, if ever. And as you say, you know, in your book, this is a lifetime of working on the show. So, how would you describe at this point your relationship to the show and specifically to these characters? I would imagine they just sort of live somewhere in your brain all the time.
2: <laughs> there, it's tough. I, I will say this, and every uh, whenever I talk to Al Jean, now Al Jean mm-hmm. is. He's been the showrunner at the Simpsons for 22 years. He and I ran the show together. Mm -hmm. He was my roommate in college. He was the best man at my wedding. But so we've been doing Simpsons for 32 years. And yet anytime I talk to him on the phone, he goes, can you believe this? We still cannot get over our good fortune at working Mm -hmm. on this show. And we appreciate it kind of on a weekly basis. I mean, that's That's how great the job is. And and it's filled with people like that. Everybody knows, wow, we are lucky to be working here. Not just that it's a hit and it's well loved, but that you're surrounded by this this lovely environment where everybody likes each other and the actors. It's it's almost unique in that the actors and writers get along. Yeah, We enjoy each other's company. The, uh, the writers get along with the animators, work very closely with them. It's, it's a super love fest. And it is funny. You know, I wrote this book about The Simpsons, and it's over 300 pages long. And there's no dirt. There's no dirt, and there's no mm-hmm. scandal. And uh, it wasn't until I finished the book I go, oh, that's why it's run so long. There's no friction. You know, it just mm-hmm. all moves forward. There's no feuds or anything like that. That's a secret of the show. It is oh, a I love, love that. set. So I'm glad we're talking about
1: yeah. romance and love <laughs> Well, and you can tell, right? Because I feel like just the spirit of the show has remained consistent. They're, the characters are still alive and vibrant. And I think that only must only come from a team that really highly respects the process and the show and each other. So I think it shows.
2: Yes. Yeah, and... Yeah, it's so funny that for my fun time, I'll read about other TV shows. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll put, like, I'll never read a book about the Korean War, but I'll read a book <laughs> about MASH. Right. And I read on MASH. Yeah, everybody loved going to work in the morning. They loved mm-hmm. that. People at the Dick Van Dyke show right. loved going to work. And uh, there's very few of these long-running, successful shows uh, that came out of friction you know right and i think idiots and critics people like that seem to think oh friction is good and this is what art is produced by friction no it's not it's not at all
1: where do you think that comes from is that just do you think that was luck do you think that was a tone set by the showrunners or the actors what what do you accredit to
2: uh that is a you know what i'll give you a bs theory because i never thought of it but I wonder if it emanates backwards from the design of the characters. Hmm. I mean, literally that they're always kind of smiling and they're bright yellow and they're happy colors. You know, it was funny. I worked on an animated show called the oblong, very funny animated show. And Hmm. it was created by an old Simpsons writer, but it was dark and the characters Hmm. were ugly and weird. And, that spilled over into the production. It was definitely a funny show, but the writer's room was sort of in dark temperament. And, you know, there were ideas thrown around where I go, I cannot stay in this place too much longer. (laughs) Right. And it was so true to itself. I remember thinking while we were making the show, I said, this show is either going to be a huge hit or it's going to be dead in the first 10 minutes. Mm. And it was the latter Mm. Where they literally could see the ratings on the first episode that that a giant chunk of the audience bailed at the first commercial break. They didn't even make, make it through the whole episode.
1: I mean, yeah, it's so interesting. It's just the way I'm always thinking about the way we consume television especially because it's you know starting to change a bit with you know the streaming sites and and things and you see people get obsessed with some dark shows you know that that make it on to uh these streaming platforms but i think so often we turn to tv for comfort or at least that's what we turn to the comedies that we re either re-watch because there's only a few seasons or like the simpsons that we get to keep going back to yeah. because there there continue to be seasons is that I, and I think, you know, that's why this podcast has a place is like, sometimes it's just great to talk to feel happy and to talk about love and for things to go well. Do you find that you or I guess the writer's room, do you hold these characters with love? Because obviously they are flawed. But do you think you have to love these characters as well to write for them or produce them for so long?
2: I think even I don't know what you have to do. I'll say this. I think I love the characters too much. Uh And it's, it sort of hurts me at the show in that I think there's some wiggle room to how badly you could treat the characters. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel that way. And uh, to give you an example, the most popular joke um, in the history of the Simpsons is Homer falling down a cliff. He's skateboarding across Springfield Gorge, falls down a cliff and it's painful and it's bloody. And I hated it. I hated it. And Matt Groening hated it. And it's like, I like Homer. I don't want to see this happen to him. And, you know, we it was a struggle at the show. It went on the air. Actually, what you see, as bloody and violent as it is, was originally twice as long and twice as brutal. Oh, wow. Uh, So that went on the air. And the public loved it. They don't mind seeing Mm -hmm. Homer really, I mean, really getting hurt. But I don't enjoy it. And even knowing that the public loves it, I still cannot get on board that joke.
1: Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. so as we kind of move into uh Marge and Homer specifically, um, I I just want to kind of start by listing some of the ways the internet has described their relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously this is, um, you know, America, this is a TV couple, Podcast, And this is America's longest standing TV couple. So here's some of the ways they've been described. They've been described as couple goals, as soulmates, as the best marriage on TV, as America's most relatable couple, as the most iconic TV couple of all time. And then there's also a detailed, a very detailed analysis of exactly when Marge should have left Homer. So we're going to get into all of it today. Um, And obviously, you know, understanding that these are fictional characters that are held with love. Yes. But I think, you know, as we just spoke to, television affects us in these dynamics are embedded in us, especially when they've been with us so long. So I wanted, I'm really excited to talk to a writer because, you know, I talk about relationship dynamics between couples all t- all the time. And I think sometimes it has to do with actor chemistry, but I'm really interested to get your approach on writing America, the longest standing TV couple. And I kind of want to take it back to early seasons and how would you describe basically the intention behind those early years in crafting their relationship? Like from the get-go, did you guys have a sense of what kind of marriage you wanted to present? Was the goal for it to be relatable? Was the goal for it to be funny? How would you describe the intention in the beginning?
2: It's almost like I would say, and I've never put a lot of thought into it before, is (laughs) we almost always just sort of work backward from the fact that Mm -hmm. we know at the end they have to be together. I mean, that's just... That is just the rule of the show. Their marriage has to end happily, you know, at the end of a show. And the complication comes from the fact that Homer's impossible. He's a big idiot. And, you know, if if he behaved maturely and thought rationally, we wouldn't have a show. So he is compelled to be an idiot week after week. But principle two is... Marge has to be able to forgive him week after week. Mm-hmm. That, that generally involves Homer doing some, making some grand gesture, and even that gets very tiresome. You know, as he brings one rock star after another to the house right. to serenade Marge, <laughs> he's either going to do a grand gesture or so, show some element of humanity or some some bit of growth or. He's got to learn something that, of course, he will have forgotten by the next week. Of
1: course, right, right. Otherwise, they wouldn't be them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we want to... That's interesting. That's interesting. Were they based on anybody? Do you know from the beginning, were they based on any sort of real couple or real dynamic?
2: I gotta say, no. I gotta say, I mean, people, it's, it's hard to remember, you know, The Simpsons had about two years before they were a series where they were just mm. one minute cartoons. And at the time, all it was was a. It was WandaVision. It was just the parody uh-huh. of fifty sitcom life. It was a husband and a wife and two kids, and they lived in Springfield, the most generic name you could right. think of for a town. Right. And uh, there, if I can pull up another old show uh, that, it's a little like Wonder Years, where Wonder uh-uh. Years. There was an amazing thing they did on Wonder Years, where they cast these two actors. And I don't think that's what the characters were supposed to look like. It was like, that's what parents look like to a kid. The dad, yeah. the dad just looked like a hunk of meat. He looked like mm-hmm. a, a Christmas ham and the mom was really pretty and they didn't go mm-hmm. together. But I always said, oh, that's how a kid sees his parents. And that was it. I think they were, they started off as these little stereotypes. I mean, I know yeah. the creators of the show, Matt Greening who named the characters after his parents, Homer and Marge. That I didn't know, yeah, yeah. But, you know, his father was a documentary filmmaker and a (laughs) surfer and he had a full head of hair. So Mm -hmm. he was nothing like Homer. That was it. I have the sense they started off as as stereotypes and archetypes Mm -hmm. and then we humanized them. We humanized them in the writing and we especially humanized them, I think, that's what our wonderful actors brought to it, you know, Uh, Dan Castellaneta and Julie Kavner.
1: Yeah. Something I find so impressive with, you know, any TV show that has many seasons and especially shows where the writer's room changes so much over time is how to keep these key dynamics of the characters consistent. And I like what you just spoke to about the working backwards, but do you think there are some other key elements of the Homer Marge relationship that you feel like kind of all writers must follow to keep them consistent.
2: No, it it was a funny thing in that when, you know, the show, especially when it began, there was nothing like it on TV and Mm -hmm. people would always say, is there anything you won't do? And I would always say, well, Homer's never going to hit Marge. And, Mm. and that's, you know, well, of course he'll never hit Marge, but then I, you know, like five years later, family guy, at a season premiere, where Peter hits Lois, and you know, oh, yeah. hit a lot of women, and you know, it didn't mean the end of the show. So uh, people are willing to accept that. And Homer will never hit Marge, but we did an episode where Marge runs over Homer with a car intentionally. Right. She's so subconsciously angry at him. So that's it. I mean, you know, Homer, Homer would never cheat on Marge. He's always tempted, but he'll never cheat. So. It is, again, it's a very square and stable relationship. When the show was created, it was it was funny because the original writer's room was just a bunch of single guys mm. in their late 20s. And so we had no marriages. Most of us couldn't even get a date. And we just <laughs> sort of invented this couple and invented what we thought a marriage would be like. And, you know, there's a, there's a big... And very good call for diversity in writers' room. Mm. and I'm very proud of the fact that Lisa Simpson and, and Marge Simpson, especially Lisa Simpson, one of the great female characters on oh, TV, yeah. was just created by a bunch of dudes. It was a bunch of single white dudes, you know, using their imagination and doing what writers are supposed to do, which is inhabiting other kinds of people.
1: Yeah, getting themselves in the in the mindset of of a young feminist.
2: Yes. Uh, but that, yeah. But now, we've all aged in the job now, so now we do have marriages, and mm-hmm. it's again, yeah, uh, very. I think it's uh, fairly rare in Hollywood where you walk into the Simpsons writing room and it's a bunch of happily married people, a <laughs> bunch of people with very good, solid, long marriages, and you know, monogamous and that kind of thing. Nothing like a lot of the weirdness you see around you in LA. You know, here I right. was working in TV and my wife uh, was working at a real estate firm and they seem super square and I'm working for this crazy TV show, but it's the people at the real estate company who are just wild and everybody everybody huh. cheating and having affairs and living on the down low and secret lives and all these shenanigans going on. And this was just a bunch of people saying, oh, I want to get home to my wife. I miss yeah. my <laughs> husband.
1: <laughs> yeah. You write these crazy antics all day. and Then you go home and you're like, I just want the like sitting next to each other on the couch part of the episode. I just right. want the, like the consistency. That's so interesting to like, think about, you know, the writer's room aging into the characters too, because I wonder, I mean, I just think about, you know, the legacy of the show and, and how, we as an audience, you know, have our conversations about marriages have changed. Do you feel like you felt like an audience reaction shaped the, um, the marriage? Like, do you feel like you ever had to like grow Homer a little quicker in the marriage than you thought you would have to?
2: there's nothing i don't think in the marriage per se there was something of feedback we would get on the internet that uh, they described uh, the the term was jerk ass homer we're (laughs) tired of jerk ass homer Mm -hmm. and it was it was really good feedback it was the kind of thing where you know we would uh, make homer a little dumber and a little more callous every year and it's just mm-hmm. something you had to do to keep from repeating yourself. Homer, right. t- you know, t- for Homer to be stupid, he had to be stupid and new in different ways, you know, constantly. And uh, it did reach a point where people said he's too stupid and he's too mean and he's too inattentive to his children. And uh, I again, I'll give a lot of credit to Al Jean, the showrunner, who... Mm-hmm. Who would read this stuff? You know, most of us couldn't bear to look at the fan websites because yeah. they're brutal. They're really, really mean. The, really, the yeah. official Simpsons fan site is called nohomers.net, which is oh wow, it's like that's like saying having a Christian website called Jesus is a jerk. You know, yeah, it's like, <laughs> and and they the, the fans were brutal in their critiques, mm-hmm. and yet Al Jean would go there and. Himself read this stuff week after week, and he would come in and say, The fans are right. Homer's too much of a jerk. We gotta make him nicer. So we do. I hope i got not telling tales out of school, but this is uh there was an episode, I think it may have been generated by Mac Groening himself, the creator of the mm-hmm. show, where Ned Flanders and Homer go to Vegas, they go on a drunken binge, and then they come home. Married. They married Vegas wives. Yes. And and we're there writing this idea and trying to make a way to say they passed out in bed. They didn't cheat on their wives. And that Craning kept saying, I think they cheated. I think they got drunk (laughs) and had sex with these women. So that was it. That was, you know, it's his show, but we were trying to protect his characters.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that came up when I was, you know, in that in the there's someone who's tracked like all all the missteps and like when you when she should have left him. And, you know, obviously, this is a show and you as you said, the writing to keep writing him, you have to make him make sillier and sillier mistakes. When he it got to the point where he almost felt irredeemable. Mm -hmm. How would you how would you bring him back? What kind of Um, what would he do in the marriage or what would he do not even in the marriage, but just as a human to kind of bring him back to, uh, to redeemability.
2: (laughs) Again, it was always a grand act. So we had him Mm -hmm. bring James Taylor to the house and he had, or Jackson or Jackson Brown came to the house and weird Al Yankovic came to the house to sing to Marge. And we just recently did it where again, Homer I felt a little bad. It was just it may have been our 700th episode, a highly talented episode where Homer inadvertently does something very, very bad. It's Mm -hmm. he's at an office Christmas party, promises not to drink and somebody spikes his drink. So he makes a drunken ass of himself. But it wasn't his fault. But Marge will not forgive him. And Mm -hmm. he winds up homeless for a while and he knows he's got to do something really good noble to win his way back and uh and it's a flashback and he winds up delivering rod todd flanders he winds up delivering a baby oh next door and uh so that's it that's sort of our formula do something big, yeah. do something small or in some way show some personal growth
1: yeah yeah i mean i think we always do try to do a little part on on the show where we relate the fictional characters to non-fictional and you know you would hope after uh in in a non-fictional way i think i think there are homers out there i mean i think there are guys that at least start relationships where they don't know what they're doing and i we're going to talk in a second about um marge and homer's origin story which i'm excited to talk about but i think even in in adult you know guys who are dating or in marriages mess up and they try to figure it out and i you know i hope non-fictional men learn a bit faster than Homer, but do you think, in what ways do you feel like we can learn from Homer to make up for mistakes? Do you think it it is what, you know, it's grand gestures and, you know, what else, what else do we think it is that keeps their marriage something that we still, we still love, you know, even despite all these mistakes, they're still getting listed as, you know, the most relatable marriage, the most iconic marriage. So what do you think, Newly struggling Homers can learn from this character. Well,
2: uh, you know, let's let, even though that's our formula often, it's not all Homer, you know, Marge has mm. to do something of it. And Julie Kavner has been asked the question a million times. why Why does Marge love Homer? And she'll say, and I don't I don't because she's a very good and thoughtful actress, I don't think she's kidding. She goes, He's good in bed.
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs>
2: and that's it. You know, you don't have to think about it. But I think Homer's let be pretty good in bed. And the the funny, amazing story about that, that goes with this is when we were started distributing the show overseas, we went from country to country casting Marge and Homer in different mm-hmm. languages. And we went to France and uh we found these two actors to play Marge and Homer, and they fell in love and they got married and they have a kid. And I, I I finally went to France and I meet these two, and sure enough, they're just they're almost a parody of Marge and Homer. The the French Homer is just this big, lovable, dope of a guy. I mean, he's just he's just a very, you know, French vulgar. He's like a a little he looks like Fred Flintstone, a little squat guy and makes a lot of dumb jokes and is always grinning. And his wife could have been a model. The, the, you oh know, my gosh. the Mar the you know, the Marge of France, a very elegant, beautiful woman, but you know, very polished and mannerly, and yet somehow these two love each other.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: that's and their marriage is, you know, almost as long as Marge and Homer's.
1: So oh my God.
2: that kind of guy can fall for that, that kind of woman can fall for that kind of guy. And it just works.
1: I'm so glad you brought that up because I re- I found that out in my like deep dive in my research and I was wanted to find a way to talk about it. So I'm so glad you told that yeah. story. And I think that that, that you know there are so many relationship advice columnists and podcasts and books and things you can read and checklists you can make and qualities you want in a person. And some of them, you know, I think are immovable, solid things you need in a relationship. And sometimes it's just this element of you can't choose who you fall for. right And it might not look anything like the person you wish that it was, you know?
2: Yeah. I, uh, I can go by, all I ever know is my life, my personal experience, Mm -hmm. which is, uh, again, people should be very happy this is a podcast because I'm really hard on the eyes. I am I really keep saying that. a bad so- looking guy. And I know it, you know, and I know it. And I was out there trying to date. And, you know, women would tell me, geez, you know, you're nothing to look at. That's horrible. And it's, you know, it's all right. So, you know, Someone's got to admit it. The world is so full of ugly people that have no idea how bad they're But my wife, you know, she met me. We met in college. And
1: mm-hmm.
2: for, you know, for baffling margin homer reason, she said, this is the guy. This is what I want. And I said, OK. And that's uh, and that's been a 33 year marriage. Wow. I mean, it is enough that I tell anyone, male or female, if there's someone you really want, if you decide that's what I like, just go for it, go for it hard, and don't take no for an answer. And most people, you know, that, that that's very flattering to hear that that uh, somebody really wants you and likes mm-hmm. you, and that may be enough for a relationship. And I've got to say, my wife. Wanted me, came after me, and now the poor thing cannot get rid of me. I just follow her around the house, I follow her around the world. You know, she stuck with me. She wanted me, she got me. It's almost like a like a curse or an O Henry tale. I I'm I'm as crazy for her as as Homer is for Marge.
1: Oh. Well, that's such a nice, sweet transition, because the episode I was going to ask you about is one you wrote, and it's The Way We Was, which is the season two episode where we get a lot of Marge and Homer's origin story. And I think a lot of what you're speaking to, and you know, I don't know the timeline of your marriage, but I, you probably were, were you married when you wrote this episode? I was because probably... It's very similar. Yeah,
2: I was very <laughs> newly married. It is... I don't even know who, you know, there was a lot of people piling in on the idea. Sure. And sure, sure. I know it's sort of uh, canonical. I don't know if it's a classic episode, but it's set the format for every flashback episode mm-hmm. we've done since. And we just wrote it in three days. It was just um, me and Al Jean and Sam Simon and Matt Groening weren't working too hard. And then a lot of people chimed in too. James L. Brooks had a lot of good ideas. I uh, got a writer named Dave Davis and uh, who didn't even work on the show. He had a lot of nice ideas. He kicked in. And I, th- I think it was rather than drawing on real life, it was just sort of, we all love a love story. We all yeah. love a romantic tale and everyone, I think, was very happy to be able to kick in. So a lot of ideas came in. A guy named Jerry Belson, again, didn't work on the show, <laughs> he called in with a couple of ideas for that show.
1: I love that. Well, I think it's such a good episode that it's, sets up the core dynamic of them right which is even back then even in high school you know homer wasn't really sure about anything he doesn't know how to try he doesn't know how to be good at school but he's sure about her Correct. and we see her be the one thing that he is willing to go above and beyond for and you know she denies it and denies it and denies it and it's it's not that he wears her down but she's just able to kind of i think by the end of the episode be in touch with as you said earlier like that's what That's what I want. And he, you know, went after her in exactly the way that you're describing in 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 a really sweet way.
2: It is. And it is. I'm just thinking it is that formula we've already discussed a million times. You know, Mm -hmm. he likes her. They're having fun. They seem like a good couple. Then she finds out, oh, he tricked her, and you know, yeah, I forget what it is. They're staying up late to study French or something. Yeah,
1: she's got yeah, they're studying French, and she's got a debate the next day that she doesn't do well at. Right,
2: and that's my wife. That's I know my wife was in speech and debate. She was a oh, she was a big shot in that. So that's where that came from. Uh, but yeah, they fight. Marge gets finally gets mad at Homer for his stupid scheme. Again, it goes very dark. She goes to the prom with someone else. Homer's right. trudging along in the mud. In
1: the mud, <laughs> yeah.
2: Goes to the prom alone. I mean, it, he he eats a lot of shit. He eats a lot of dirt mm-hmm. in yeah. that episode. And I, I think, he, what, does he come to Marge's rescue? And she finds out Artie Ziff, who's been back to the show a 100 times and is also right. a real guy there's a real Artie zip out there that's it she finally is won over by homer's depth of passion and commitment mm-hmm. so a really sweet show and again just we did it and then we've done it probably 50 or 60 more times since then
1: i think it's good to be reminded you know, and obviously, you know, we're not saying nobody's endorsing to run over your partner with a car or, you know, marry somebody in Vegas. But I think what something that is the reason I think if I had to speculate on why people keep coming back to them as relatable, is that I think if you have like undying love and devotion, and somebody just digs you and digs you that much for that long, then like, there's there's enough reason to not give up on it and I think that and I think that's why you know all these articles about like no homers and you know I think are you know are sometimes silly because it's like if you have if you want to still work on it after that long and if someone loves you that much then then there's something to fight for I think
2: yep I agree
1: yeah uh, yeah, so I just kind of wanted to like wrap it up with like before you know we get into what you're working on now and where people can find you is what do you think are the biggest legacies of their relationship? What are the biggest takeaways?
2: Ah, uh, you know I think probably well, you know when when you look at what's around on TV, you know you don't see many of those anymore. You don't just mm-hmm. see a happy stable couple at the very heart of things and. Uh, you know we we break them up and bring them together at the end of episodes, but we'll never do what I think a lot of series will do, which is they'll just break up the couple. All right, let's do a let's do a season where they're apart and mm-hmm. see how that that goes. I've come very late to the party on Rick and Morty. That's a show uh-huh. I'm where wow, that is a savage and real and deep. Relationship. It's a couple, you know, they, the first season or two, they're Marge and Homer. I don't know why they're together. I've uh, been mm-hmm. such an idiot. And then season three, whoa, they do break up. And, they, you know, he just becomes another divorced dad. I don't think we'll do that. Right. And
1: I think there's a lot of value in that, in in seeing couples work it out and communicate and and make it work as much as there's value in the story of you know somebody divorcing and finding themselves and then you know finding second love there's value in watching couples stick it out and and come back to each other again and again and again after after making it work and especially you know as we spoke to earlier in the comforting kind of comedies that we could that we come back to
2: correct yeah it's a. Uh... It's very old school. It's like a lot of mm-hmm. things about The Simpsons. Uh, it's sort of rooted in an earlier era, you know. It's just it's a very square, old fashioned relationship, but it works.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Well, thank you so much for being here. And before, you know, I let you go, can, do you want to speak a little bit about um, your podcast and where people can find you to keep up with you and your stories and everything you have to say? Yes,
2: I will. I, uh, and luckily it's thematically related. And Good. it's not just a pure plug, which is uh, I have a podcast on the Believe Network. You can find it anywhere you get, you get your podcast. It's called What Am I Doing Here? What am I doing here? And it's not an inter- interview show. It's It's not a game. It's just me telling stories about the travel I've done. I've been to 134 mm-hmm. countries, and I've been to wow. the places nobody wants to go. I've been to Iran and Iraq. I've been to North Korea. I've been to the North Pole. And oh, my
1: gosh. Yeah.
2: I've been every. I'm running out of places to go. People encourage me to do this because I go where nobody goes and I can make it funny. It's just funny Mm -hmm. stories, the funny side of going to North Korea. Uh, But why it's pertinent, why it's germane to this podcast is the fact that I don't want to go to any of these places. (laughs) I don't like to travel. I like to sit home and watch TV. It's my wife loves to travel. My wife Mm -hmm. would travel 365 days a year if she could. She loves to travel and I love my wife and that means that I literally follow her to the ends of the earth and
1: Mm -hmm. I said
2: that because we went to the North Pole and then we took a trip to the South Pole and I said well there you go I have literally followed you to the ends of the earth and it just shows you this is what a man will do for his wife. He will take his one vacation week and go to Libya with it (laughs)
1: so. <laughs> oh that's amazing yeah that's amazing and it's on the believe network so it'll be super easy for everyone to find as we're on the same network yeah and do you do social media as well can people follow you there yeah, they
2: can follow it's funny they should follow her because uh, okay because <laughs> she's on facebook okay constantly she she bought mark zuckerberg a boat she's on facebook <laughs> so like, but you know her name is Denise Reese. Uh, but if you want to follow me and hear the plugs for the podcast, uh, I am Mike on Twitter. It's the only social media I do. It's Mike Reese Writer, and Reese is R-E-I-S-S. Mike Reese Writer, and one day a week I push the show, and the other six days a week I just give you a good joke. I just it's great. I'll spend I'll spend two hours every day to write you one decent (laughs) quote. So please do follow me, Mike Reese, writer, Twitter, and follow this podcast, What Am I Doing Here? And I'm stressing the name, because even the people who work on the podcast go, oh, we got a great, what the hell is going on here? I go, that's (laughs) not what it's called.
1: What am I doing here? Yeah, because you show up to a country, and you're like, what am I doing here? Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. This lady gets it. (laughs) I had to put myself in the head of the character for a second, but I I got there. So uh, now I'll never forget. Well, thank you so much. This was such a joy. And I hope everybody goes to listen. And I can't wait to hear about, you know, where you go next.
2: Okay, well, we're going to Cancun in a couple of days.
1: That sounds lovely. It
2: should be. I mean, I think literally the COVID virus will be piloting the plane. I think, you know, we've stayed safe so long. We're walking right into this septic cesspool so this is maybe where it finally catches up to us everybody's <laughs> made the same joke that like where everyone's like the cop who's two weeks from retirement
0: mm-hmm. and like
2: all right don't kill me i've only got two weeks left no, right that's it. i didn't right. mean to call cancun a cesspool i meant oh, no. i meant there's gonna be it's gonna be like those spring break things where <laughs> you, you, you watch the party on tv you go you're all gonna be in the mm-hmm. hospital <laughs>
1: all right well thank you so much thank you
2: this was pure fun good luck with good. The, the podcast
1: thank you thank you i'm glad you're on the network and you know um i, I look forward to listening all righty bye-bye. bye-bye bye, bye.